night, Z. That's the same thing we do every Friday night. Try to take over the world. That's right, it's our reviews will kill you, the party time podcast. Bringing you all of them news, reviews, comics, good stuff, and more party time for you and for me. That's right, it is a solo Z episode. Z exclusive. No noob noobs. We want none of them noob noobs. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have an absolutely, we, I have an absolutely fantastic show for you tonight as I try to rock it out. That is correct. Um, I can see Doc is out there and sensibly cynical. That's right. It is a Z-Man band. Z only. No noob noobs. No noob noobs. That's right. He's he's uh, he's been retired, put out to pasture. No more noob. <laughs> no, he's just gone, gone skiing. But the show must go on, and we will. We are here to entertain. So let me give you a little bit of an idea of what is on today's show. Looks like Keanu Reeves has some special clauses. Hopefully it's not the Santa Claus in his movies. We've got Hellboy being rebooted again. That franchise needs definitely a kick in the butt with some boots. Venture Brothers are back in town. And if you even remember what that is, they're going to have a movie, it appears. M. Night Shyamalan making that big bread. CBS is ordering a mad series gorillas more animation are not going to be gorillying in any time in the near future they'll just be making music in the outrageous side we have woman breaking a very valuable statue wait do you hear what this one's about feral cattle are terrorizing people in new mexico sounds like they need more hamburgers out there And Japan is mystified by giant balls. We'll find that out and more. Are you in or out of the Pope's exorcist? It's a me, the exorcist. We'll talk about that. And we'll get into some reviews. Big movie out there. Uh, Well, first I saw The Deep House, which is exclusively underwater and nothing else. It's a horror movie. It's a haunted house underwater. Very exciting. And then I caught Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania getting all quantifiable and teeny and large and big and small all at the same time. That's right. So let's see here. I am going to try my best to keep an eye on the chat. I cannot... (laughs) <laughs> confirm or deny where the noob noob is he may join the chat he may not he may be too busy for us but as we move forward in this i think we're gonna move on to things we are not covering i'm not moving to the news yet because there are things we will not talk about we will not talk about that crash in ohio of the train derailments not touching that one and we will not touch Raul Dowled getting his books rewritten or canceled. If you weren't aware of this, might be something you want to look into. The author of such things as 
George, wait, George and the Giant Peach, James and the Giant Peach, and Oompa Loompa and the Chocolate Factory. No, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, as well as uh, Matilda and something about witches. I don't know. He's a guy, wrote some things, some stuff, and apparently they're changing a bunch of the words. And, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like a good thing, but we're not going to talk about that. Yes, I'm pretty sure that Noob Noob is in prison, actually. I forgot to say that he's been arrested. Don't touch Baby Yoda. Oh, boy. Uh, Let's see here. Trying to read and do the show. Uh, He did probably get canceled for uh, the Letter to Gerard Nemesis short video where he does a lot of dry air. Hey, that was his idea, not mine. So, yes, that was a a strange video. I wonder if that guy, maybe that's where he is. He is dry humping in prison with Gerard, the love letter that he sent to another man. Fascinating what Noob Noob will do these days. Anyway, let's move on to some housekeeping. What kind of hotel is this? I did some videos. And we'll talk a little bit more about this. I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole yet because we're going to review Ant-Man and the Wasp and Quantumania. But Marvel Phase 5, that was, this was the introduction to Phase 5 and I'm not feeling, there's not a lot of people feeling it. We'll see how it does. It did not hit projections. It did very well. But it didn't hit projections. We'll see what the week two drop-off looks like. If it's another 67% or bigger, that sounds like a big loss. I don't think the word of mouth on this one is real good. And CGI is just getting real bad. Real bad. It's it's quite disturbing at times. I also did another video explaining how Kang is just Rick Sanchez. Because that's what Kang is. He is just Rick Sanchez. And what's interesting is I have empirical proof of this because... The writers from Rick and Morty have been hired to do several shows, and the person who's writing the Kang Dynasty wrote for Rick and Morty. So that's where the comparisons draw from. You're going to get a lot more of it. So a little confusing. The whole Rick and Morty saga goes on. It touches everything in culture, whether it's Justin Roiling going to jail, allegedly, or them writing all these Marvel movies that are not all that great. So those are all things that are happening. I didn't do any more Tim Pool videos. No more. I didn't cover the Blaze situation with Sydney uh, Watson. None of that stuff. And uh, But we did do cover some other news stories that, that I think are a little worthy. And I didn't include them in the news section, but I figured since we did shorts on them, you can check them out yourself. Be sure to... Uh, Subscribe for the shorts, stay for the long-form podcast, have lots of fun, plus profit. All for you. So one of our latest shorts is, I've been watching Picard, because I didn't watch Picard season one or season two, but I heard good things about Picard, the new season three and final season. So I have some observations that I'd like to share with you, whether it be about the light situation in space 
or how many people they can stuff in the fridges, you should check those shorts out. I also did a Skrillex album review. Little did I know that he had released two albums, not just one. So I only reviewed one of the two albums, specifically the one, uh, I think it's called uh, One of Us or Don't Leave Me Alone, I think is what the one album is called. There's a second album called Quest for Fire. I'll be reviewing that as well. I've already started to listen to it and I think I have better things than what it was before. Then we had big announcements so strange. Warner Brothers announces that they're going to they're going to do a Lord of the Rings movie. Why? What is going on here? What are they doing to our like cultural heritage? They're just going to keep remaking the same things over and over and over again. Does anyone really need to see a new Lord of the Rings movie? We just got a Lord of the Rings show and no one likes it. So Amazon's going to look real dumb real fast after investing a billion dollars in material that nobody knows about. And Warner Brothers was like, how about we buy the Lord of the Rings, which everybody actually liked watching. So. Mm. Uh, they also announced an It prequel. It's called Welcome to Derry. It's going to happen before It. Not after It. Just before it will include the original filmmakers who did the first It movie. Not the first, first one. Not the, the, the TV miniseries. No, we're talking about the one with um, the Scarsborough brother. He's real good, too. I, I enjoyed the first It. It Chapter 2, not as good. Bill Skarsgård is great in both, but um, no word on whether or not they've signed Bill Skarsgård to it. Although he doesn't make a ton of money, so I guess... I could see him signing on for this because he really, really likes the character. So I think if they have a chance, he would he would do that. So, yeah, I think that's a good move, right? I, I mean, I'll check it out. Can't, can't harm anybody. So no giveaways this week, but maybe there will be one in the future. I do not know. I don't take care of these things. But what I do know is that we can move on. Keep it strong in the news. The news. Let's hear it for the news. That's right. Keanu Reeves has clauses, and uh, they're definitely clauses in contracts because he doesn't want to be digitally edited in any of his movies. I thought this was kind of interesting. He's a bright man, he knows what he's doing. He says this clause helps maintain the integrity of his performances that he cannot be digitally manipulated without his consent and he has good reasons why he's against it. He said um, he doesn't mind if people take out blinks during an edit, but early on in the early 2000s, or it might have been the 1990s, he had a performance changed and he didn't say which film it was, but they added a tear to his face and he was like, huh? It was like, I don't even have to be here. So he just doesn't want people to go back and edit him. So you will not see him in an E.T. movie carrying walkie-talkies instead of guns. John Wick's guns will not be re- replaced by walkie-talkies. He will just keep it keep it as is. So I think that's kind of amusing. You know what's not nearly as amusing is Hellboy. I watched the... David Harbour starring Hellboy. 
And I seen I like the old Hellboys. The old Hellboys are cool. Hellboy and the Golden Army, it's fine. First Hellboy, pretty good. But the one with uh, David Harbour that came out like two years ago with uh, I don't. It was just bad. It was ugly. It wasn't interesting. But now it's being rebooted by Mike Magnolia, who's the creator of Hellboy. I think he was originally going to be, be directing it the first time, and that fell through. And uh, that the last movie only made $55 million against a $50 million budget. I wonder if they're making this movie because they want to retain the rights. For those of you who don't know this, you have to keep making movies in order for the rights not to lapse. So if you don't make a movie, a lot of times in these contracts, the, the rights lapse back to the original owners, which I think happened with the Fantastic Four. Same thing happened with, uh, if you remember, there were a whole bunch of Ghost Rider movies. Well, it's because the rights had, they didn't want the rights to lapse. So they just kind of threw out whatever they could put out in the theaters and it was not very good. So hopefully... Yeah, the original Hellboy was I thought was actually really good. I really enjoyed that one. But I the the most recent one, yeah. Doc is saying it was trash. I wish I could remember who the star of those was because I think he's a good actor, but he's also very political and very has a lot of opinions. There's a lot of spoilers in in this particular article, so I'm not going to read all of it. But I just wanted to point out that I think it's kind of cool that it's uh, and Doc will get this one. It's. Hellboy and a rookie BRPD agent are stranded in 1950s rural Appalachia with a, in a small community. And I'm not going to give away anything else, but it's called The Crooked Man. So I can assume there is a crooked man with some crooked teeth somewhere in the future there. So maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be bad. I don't know. But we'll, we'll check it out. I have no idea who's going to star in it. Uh, apparently one half of the crank duo is, is slated to direct it, but who knows? This is still early development. It could fall apart just like the Venture Brothers fell apart. So for those of you who don't know who the Venture Brothers are, it's a adult swim cartoon that was, you know, adult oriented and aimed towards, it, it was basically a spoof of Johnny Quest. Johnny Quest is about a young boy with a Hindi manservant friend <laughs> who's, who work with uh, his, fa- his father, who's a super scientist, and they have a, a bodyguard who's, uh, I think his name's Race Bannon. Well, they took that and kind of spoofed it and twisted it into its own thing where they had a story about the son of the super scientist. And the series is created by really great voice actors and directors, uh, Jason Public and Doc Hammer, and I've always been a big fan of the Venture Brothers, especially Dr. Girlfriend. And Patrick Warburton has one of his most iconic roles as Brock Sampson, who's just the baddest MFer on the face of the earth. Well, it's been 20 years since they started Venture Brothers, and they were supposed to get a final season, which never happened. But now it appears that they're going to get some sort of animated film. He said, all the voice acting is done. They're just figuring out the animation at this point and plugging some things in. So hopefully it gets completed. It it seemed to have survived the HBO Max sweeping cancellations. And, you know, Batgirl supposedly got canceled because it was unacceptable. It just wasn't good enough to be aired. So I get why people didn't, like, why people don't want to watch that. 
So I think that's a good thing. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm kind of excited. So we'll see what happens. It's not going to make a lot of money, but the hardcore fans will like it. And hopefully, uh, you know, it'll pay some good indie creators. But you know who's making Big Bank? M. Night Shyamalan just signed a big deal with Warner Brothers. I think he signed for five movies. His next movie is going to be called Trap. And interestingly enough, his latest movie, Knock at the Cabin, I got a preliminary review from Noob Noob. He said, uh, well, I'm not going to give away what he said about it, but he said, if you watch the trailer, you're going to get the idea. And uh, it was one of his, it was one of the last, it beat, we did a story on it last week where it beat Avatar. And it's one of his, I think he has like seven number one movies that came out, which is pretty good. So I think that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, this is, they're all saying like his career, it's, it's uh, his career is being reinvigorated since After Earth, which was 2015. Uh, all five of his most recent movies, including The Visit and Knock of the Cabin, have been destroyed. Have been, ugh, have been distributed by Universal, but now it seems like uh, Warner Brothers are are spending a little bit of money right now. I guess they're they're trying to get multi year first look deals at several films. No one knows what Trap is about, but it's supposed to be aimed at a August twenty twenty four release, and then. I guess his daughter's directing something. So that's kind of interesting. And both movies, he he got smart and started doing a lot of his movies through himself. Like he financed them himself. So that's good. It's kind of exciting. Apparently he made one movie with Warner Brothers in the past, which was 2006, Lady in the Water. Did not like that movie for several reasons. One is because, well, A, it was, it was marketed improperly. It was marketed as a horror movie, and it was not. And there's a band that stars in it that I'm not, like, the world's biggest fan of. <laughs> you know who you are. Uh, an arch nemesis of a band. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. He's one of the rare directors to have a number one opening film in four different decades of movie making. So that's pretty... I didn't think he was that old. <laughs> but who knows? M. Night killing it uh so we'll see what happens there this one is just it's fascinating because for for fans of mad Lock, cbs orders a matlock reboot starring kathy bates i'm sure this will do fine but it's supposed to be inspired by the original le- uh, legal series starring andy griffith and, uh, yeah, it's a gender... They ordered a pilot for a gender swap reboot of Matlock starring Memphis native Kathy Bates. I guess she's gonna wear a white suit? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But Matlock was on for nine seasons between 1986 and 1995. If only Wiser were here to tell us all about how great Matlock is, because I'm sure he loves that show. Apparently, it's gonna tie back into the original Matlock... I'm just going to read this description to you. After achieving success in her younger years, the brilliant septuagenarian Madeline Matlock, Kathy Bates, rejoins the workforce at a prestigious law firm where she uses her unassuming demeanor and wily tactics to win cases and 
expose corruption from within. Sounds awesome. Although, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, Kathy Bates is returning to the legal dra- uh, drama field after NBC already canceled her previous broadcast series called Harry's Law. So, <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. And then we have another cancellation. And this cancellation, and I don't know who was looking forward to this because I was not. I mean, I don't dislike gorillas, but I'm not going to say that I like gorillas. I mean, they have that one, they have like two songs. Funny enough, most people don't know this. The fictional band gorillas is actually really just like one slash two people. Uh, Damon from the band Blur, you know that song back in the 2000s in all the stadiums? Woohoo! When I went in a little woohoo! That song, you've heard it. You all know you have. And uh, he formed this this weird animated band uh, where he had, oh man, what's the name of that song? John Wayne or something like that. Elton John, I don't, I don't remember. But Damon Alburn, former lead singer of Blur, so they had a they had a new album coming out and they were working on an animated movie for the Gorillas feature film. Well, Netflix said Sayonara, no thank you. It's been permanently suspended. They will not be going back to it. Apparently in 2021, the production was underway for a Gorillas film and now it's gone. Just yeah, one of the things that Netflix has sacked Apparently the band, uh, yes, they are saying he's the front man of Blur, and he created the band with, I think the guy's name is Dan the Automator. I'm pretty sure it is, but he has a real name. Something about Hewlett. But either way, they formed, oh, that's right, their their international smash hit was uh, Clint Eastwood. And they did have a bunch of other like songs, but no, nothing as big as that Clint Eastwood song. And, uh, you know, the band had Murdoch, Nichols, 2D, Noodle, and Russell Hobbs. Very exciting. But you will no longer be able to see this. It's just not going to happen. Same as <laughs> Netflix is just known. They don't care. They just slash whatever they want. People are still pissed about 1889 that uh, that uh, was supposed to have three seasons and got canceled with one on major cliffhangers and nobody seemed to care. So Netflix is is cold and heartless. What's up? What's up, insult investor? And yes, F Netflix. They are uh, evil. And they make bad movies. I don't think there, there hasn't been very many good Netflix movies. But I think we're going to move on. Yes, it's time to get outrageous. It's an outrage. How much do you appreciate art? I know I don't appreciate art as much as I should, but maybe there's a better way to appreciate art by smashing 42,000 balloon dog statues. (laughs) The woman is very sorry. She was at a Miami art show and accidentally knocked over a $42,000 dog balloon that was twisted into the shape of a balloon. Imagine a blue doggy. (laughs) <laughs> Here's the man right here. 
Just a reminder uh, for those of you who listen or catch us later, all the links to all these stories are linked below in the uh, on our on our webpage, and it's definitely uh, good to see some of these things because then it gives you context. But imagine a like a literally a little clown balloon of a of a dog. Oh, Insult Investor is saying they canceled Dark Crystal. That is that is the only good thing that Netflix has ever made. That is a good point. That Dark Crystal show was kind of mind-blowing. I mean, the way they mix the practical effects and CGI, if you ever get a chance to catch that thing, and even the behind-the-scenes of it is absolutely fascinating to see how they made that show. It's really kind of groundbreaking. I know it may cost a lot of money, but sometimes you got to make prestige material so people will watch. You know, you just you gotta you gotta deal with the fact that something it costs. You gotta spend money to make money, right? So yeah, there's pictures here. That thing smashed into a million pieces. This lady like just bumped into it and it just got smashed. So there's forty two thousand uh, dollars down the drain. Apparently, I th- I think it was there was nine hundred ninety nine of them. Now there's nine hundred ninety eight. Yeah, so it's all smashed. And apparently they're saying that some of the blue, that it might be worth some money even smashed. People might want to buy. Oh, there's 799 editions of it. Now there are 798. And apparently Coons, Jeff Coons, who's the artist, his figures are some of the most expensive contemporary art pieces. Uh, a 2019 piece of his called Rabbit from 1986 sold for $91 million. What? Yeah, I'm in the wrong business. I need to start making uh, dog balloons. Seriously. What in the world? Yeah, <laughs> everyone should thank that lady for smashing his balloon. Is that what you're saying, insult investor? Oh, oh, that's right. All the other dog balloons are probably worth more money now. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It seems kind of strange. But you know what? I mean, smashing things, does that make me hungry? Might make me hungry for more burgers because there's going to be a lot more burgers available to you. If you go to New Mexico, there are feral ca- uh, feral cows wandering around, and they're going to get shot, and you're going to have a chance to make a lot of uh, good grilling. Apparently, feral cattle are starting to pose a significant threat to public safety. <laughs> There's going to be an aerial shooting of the cattle. They hired snipers. Could you imagine having that job where you're an aerial sniper just taking out cows? I know they do, they take out feral hogs with machine guns, but (laughs) they're going to lethally dispatch as many feral cattle as they are, as they can during this operation. It's likely that additional operations using lethal and non-lethal methods will be necessary to eliminate the feral cow population. (laughs) Are they going to feed the homeless with those? Apparently there's 150 feral cows living in the Gala, Gila, the Gila monster, Gila wilderness. And uh, they've created a problem since the 1970s when a rancher abandoned the cattle. From what I understand, feral cattle in Australia are extraordinarily dangerous. So having them wander around in New Mexico doesn't sound like a good idea. 
Uh, the memo defined feral cattle as cattle that don't have brands, ear tags, or other signs of ownership. They have not been husbanded, cared for by private owners, or kept or raised on a ranch for several generations, and thus not domesticated. Interesting. And apparently the cattle are aggressive towards humans, which is what I said uh, about the... In Australia, they're very, very dangerous. So... If you're in the mood for some pure bread natural beef, I'm sure you can go find yourself some dead cows. Just go down to New Mexico. And uh, <laughs> apparently, yeah, the cows hurt people. They, uh, they, they <laughs> you hate cows. You like to eat cows, though. Because <laughs> you can hate cows, but will you eat them? Yeah, I think they're, they're, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't want to mess with a feral cow because aren't feral cows like bulls and bulls stomp people. So I don't want to get stomped. Don't people get gored all the time in Spain when they do the running of the bulls and the cows and whatever? I do like moo moo milk though. I will drink milk. I enjoy that. Let's switch topics a little bit. We're going to talk about some balls and Japan. Japan has some balls for sure. But now Japan is mystified by a giant metal sphere that washed up on the on the beach. And uh, people were saying it's a Godzilla egg or let's see, they were saying it's a Dragon Ball, you know. <laughs> I can't read this. It's in French. Boule Mysteries? <laughs> is there a live Dragon Ball? Uh, yeah, I still think it was a Godzilla egg. But in reality, they're claiming it's a buoy. The metal ball is five meters in diameter and washed up on the beach of the coastal city of Hamamatsu. Hamamatsu. That place. <laughs> the beach was cordoned off and officials with protective clothing were sent in to inspect the Godzilla egg. More likely it would have been a Mothra egg is what they should have thought that it was. Yeah, it's pretty. The ball is pretty obviously man-made. I don't know why they thought it was anything other than a buoy. It looks pretty obvious that it's a buoy, but you know, you can dream one day that it is a Mothra egg that will come. I mean, living in a world with Godzillas and Mothras might not be so bad, especially after what they're doing to Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl. It's got yes, it's got a rope hook. It's got a whole. It's it's a whole thing. I don't understand why people would be confused as to what that is. <laughs> the police said it could be a buoy. An explanation is supported by the presence of two apparent metal handles sticking out of it. <laughs> An oceanographer. It took somebody from San Diego telling them that it's just a normal buoy. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I uh, I guess because people are so upset about the Chinese spy balloons all over the world that they thought maybe these were Chinese water balloons for some water torture. I'd like to get out of this story and get into something else, which would definitely be It's a me, a Russell Crowe. I'm the Pope's exorcist. You know, I get the red of the devils. I'm gonna take it over. That's what he sounds like. That's what it's looking like. Sony Pictures just released a trailer about a movie. Now, I think I actually watched a documentary about this guy, Father Gabriel Amorth. 
and it's called The Pope's Exorcist. Clearly, it's a fictionalized account, but according to Father Amorth, and this is just from what I remember, is he's... uh, Oh, he died. Okay, well, I watched a thing about him. Holy cow. I'm going to read some of this. So, he was Rome's chief exorcist from 1986 until his death in 2016 at age 91. As of 2013, he reportedly performed approximately 160,000 exorcisms during his career. That is absolutely bonkers. He performed that many exorcisms. Um, yeah, so they wrote like a movie kind of based on it. I mean, it's not really based on his life, but kind of. What I found fascinating about the father himself is that he was saying that it's a crisis of faith, almost like, you know, how people get depressed, like modern depression, because like my job sucks. Well, this is like, like uh, people believe in their faith so much that it makes them sick when they lose faith in, in uh, their beliefs. So, I mean, you know, people are nuts. Yes, I agree with that. This this is probably why, you know, I, I could understand. I mean, look at, all you got to do is look at the world right now. People have lost their damn minds with this, uh, with, with the whole, you know, wokeism being a religion. Like, it's literally a religion. People have lost religion, and now they look at that as replacing religion. So... And those people are all having mental health crises, screaming in the streets and crying and things like that. So I definitely think that I could see why people would have a mental health crisis on the religious side. You know, I don't think he was like really pushing out demons, but this movie looks, uh, it's kind of fun. Russell Crowe's always a fun guy, you know, and his silly accents. It's a me. It's a me, the Pope's exorcist. He literally says in the trailer, which is kind of funny, he goes, oh, you better talk to... They're like, uh, Father whatever, Father Amorth, we have more questions for you. And he's like, take it up with my boss. Uh, he's the Pope. <laughs> I thought he was going to say my boss is... My boss is a god. But no, he didn't say that. Oh, no, insult investor. I feel so bad for you. <laughs> they that's why your your reasoning for becoming an atheist is very sad to me but i think you've done all right for yourself (laughs) oh geez so i'm in i actually want to see this i mean i'm not like super excited to see it but it looks all right looks like a thing you might want to see it doesn't look bad and like i said russell crowe's a good guy could enjoy that Oh my God, Noob Noob's already bored of buying because he's bored of even watching himself because he can't even watch his own videos. He doesn't even know what planet he's on. But we're going to move on to the reviews. Wow, this is going real fast. I didn't didn't make a real long episode and I don't have an an idiot dragging me down. It's kind of shocking and surprising. Although I will spend a little bit of time talking about the Ant-Man's. But first, I'm going to talk about The Deep House. Because I got to get deep. Super deep. Now, this one's kind of interesting to me because the critic score is 74%, which is not bad. But the audience score is 33%. 
This is a French film, mostly in English. Let's just put it this way. It is a haunted house underwater. Somebody got the idea. They're like, I have this awesome camera drone that's an underwater camera drone, and I like scuba diving, and I heard about a really awesome house that's preserved, that's underwater. Let's film a horror movie there. And that's how you get this movie. It's it's a thing. I think technically it was pretty cool because, you know, it's the literally the entire movie is them scuba diving in this like haunted house. It's pretty, pretty weird. So technically it's pretty cool. I wouldn't consider it like a great horror movie. It's not super scary or anything like that. But I mean, if you're already scared of water and claustrophobic, and, you know, worried about, like, running out of air and all that stuff. Like, I think it, it preys, it, what it does best is it preys on other fears and not actually being scary itself, which I think is an interesting dichotomy in a scary movie that you're supposed to be scared by what's going on in the movie because there's, like, some jump scares and stuff that aren't, like, super scary. But the sheer, like reality of them being underwater. It's almost like the abyss. The abyss is not a horror movie. It's like a sci-fi movie, but the abyss is very tense because they're you, they filmed it underwater. The water is real. The water is a real danger at all times. And I think that the tension comes from that idea of that. We don't like the idea of being trapped underwater. Drowning is very real. People have, what is it? Thalashophobia. So it's definitely a, a scary thing. Yeah, the water is dangerous enough, and that adds a little bit to it. Uh, so it's old investor. You're saying that there are houses still standing in Joe Pool Lake in Dallas, Fort Worth. I was there when they started filming. Oh, when you when they start filming this this actual movie, or um, because this, I mean, that's pretty cool. I would definitely. I do like to scuba dive. I haven't done it in a long time, but I would definitely scuba dive near a house. Going inside of a house, extraordinarily dangerous. Just like going in a wreck is extraordinarily dangerous. You need to have training to go do it. But it's, I thought it was a cool concept, executed well. It's not a great movie, but it's a good movie. Some people said it was kind of boring, but it's only an hour and twenty five minutes, and the, you know, it's it's like. Haunted house underwater. What do you expect? So if you got nothing else to do, catch it. It's not that bad. I think it was on Amazon Prime or Paramount Plus. I forget. I couldn't remember where I saw it. And the lead chick is like kind of okay. You know, there's not a lot of actors in it. Uh, Let's just read a couple of reviews. Uh, Haunted house tale whose clammy underwater setting provides the chills and that's the point is the setting is scarier than the actual movie it's it's low budget and i thought that was kind of cool a unique aquatic supernatural horror that offers a great twist on the typical haunted house story even though it doesn't serve up immense frights by jordy serkin i agree jordy that sounds like a real thing and that's yeah it's a your mileage may vary by jason shawhan if you're scared of the water, I'm not scared of the water, but I technically thought it was shot very well and very interesting. Oh, they filled they filled the lake in 1988. That must be fascinating to go do that. I've always been like up up and where um, up around here, we have a lot of quarries that get filled in with water, and some are accidental and some are intentional. And uh, 
yeah, a lot of times they'll drop like planes and all sorts of random things that you can scuba dive on, which is kind of fun. And you can like, you know, they'll, they'll drop cars and, and stuff you can not get yourself into too much trouble in. Although I will say that I have had an, a fascination with uh, cave diving, actual cave diving accidents. I watch a YouTube channel called Scary Interesting where basically they just take picture, like they take random, it's like a slideshow and they, he reads, a st- you know, those scary story guys on YouTube and he just reads about all these cave diving accidents because I have actually been cave diving myself. On some level, not like a lot of cave diving, but I've been around some of the places where they, uh, where people have died in caves and things like that. So I always find this stuff kind of fascinating. But we will move on. I recommend it. So catch it out. The catch it. The Deep House. It's not a bad movie. It's, a, it's if you got some time to kill and you want a little bit of a scary movie and you like underwater stuff, you'll like it. This one is is beyond. This is this is perplexing to me. I don't know what's going on, and you can't really trust Rotten Tomatoes one way or the other. Oh, you watch Dive Talk. They do the divers react. I like when the divers react to the stories. Yeah, those guys are cool. I like those guys. Uh, And they're the professionals. They're the ones who actually go cave diving, so to hear them talk about it is pretty interesting. But it's like it doesn't seem to matter how experienced you are as a cave diver. You could have done like thousands of dives there's still a real good chance you're gonna die it's probably the most dangerous hobby in the entire world i can't think of anything worse no (laughs) yeah i don't know you know what it is it's it is it's it's really weird so before we get an ant-man i'm just i'll I'll divert a little bit since uh insult investor and i are having a a fascinating conversation here when you like uh, the cave that I specifically went to, it's called the Devil's Ear, the Devil's Eye, the Devil's Nose, which are all in um, Homosassa Springs down in Florida. And what's fascinating is a lot of the caves now have grates over them where you need a special lock to open them. And they all have signs. And it's a sign of the it's a it's a grim reaper like standing on a diver. And basically it's like death who enters here. It's one of the creepiest signs that you can really ever see. It's 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 really wild. Let me see if I can bring up. Uh, I'll do this. We'll, we'll Google it while we're doing this, since I, I have a ton of time. Let's do a cave dive sign. Death. There we go. That looks like a thing. So this is like at this is the sign that I have personally seen. I'm gonna try to bring it up here for you. This is in the in most caves that are known as far as divers. It comes up. It says it's the it's the uh, it's it's weird because it's death holding the scythe, but he's beckoning you to come. He's like waving his finger, and there's dead divers beneath him, and it says stop, prevent your death, go no further. More than three hundred divers, including open water scuba instructors, have died in caves just like this one. You need training to dive. You need cave training, uh, training and cave equipment to cave dive. Without cave training and cave equipment, divers can die here. It can happen to you. There's nothing in this cave worth dying for. Do not go past this point. I mean, that is legit. It's it was one of the scariest things I've ever seen in my entire life when I dove down to this sign and was like, what? And what's crazy, too, is the caves, a lot of them are natural springs. So there's like a force pushing against you. 
as you go up to these caves, you can feel the f- there's like a current coming out of the cave. So imagine you don't want to like fight again. Like you have to fight against this thing the entire time. It's wild. That's all I got to say. It's it's absolutely wild. In these caves, you just don't know how deep they can go. You don't know how the, how high, how high they can go. It, it's uh it's it's fascinating and there's so many stories of people cave diving and them just not coming back out. So just going down there, it was uh it was pretty creepy and I I thoroughly it's something you never forget when you see that sign cuz you're just like what am I doing here? So I, I, I think about that even when I, I think about, you know, people diving on wrecks because wrecks are, are ultra dangerous too. You know, when you scuba dive, there's levels to this thing where there's like the regular scuba diving license and then there's an advanced open water license, which means you could do more complex diving, which means you understand how to like decompress so you don't die when you go down to like below 100 feet. And then you have the more specialized diving of like cave diving and wreck diving and deep diving. And there's all these different specialties. So it's, it's a fascinating hobby, but <laughs> definitely not something I recommend. And I guess my whole point was you see something like that and you go, ah, I want to conquer it. You know what I mean? Like your adrenaline kicks in and you're underwater and you go, I want to see what that is. I want to see what's going on there. And sometimes you go into caves and I've even gone into normal caves and you go in a little bit and you're like, you look back at the entrance and you can still see the light and you're like, do I go any further into this? And that's where you make that. That's where either your lizard brain kicks in and says, get out of here or your fear junkie part kicks in and you go, I want to go see what's further down. So that's my dive stories. If you want, (laughs) this is not a dive channel, but I figured it was a good time to talk about it. So check out Scary Interesting on YouTube. Great channel. And check out Dive Talk. Those guys are great too. I I, I really like those guys. And (laughs) they're not like the, I don't want to be mean. They're like not the best cave divers in the world, but they're experienced enough where they could like legit talk about it. Like I wouldn't consider them super pros, but they're definitely like advanced divers who know what they're talking about but there's even stuff that freaks them out so fascinating but let's move on let's dive deeper into the quantum mania we're talking about ant-man and the wasp phase five right phase five this is it we started we've got it we've got kang now we've been reintroduced we've been introduced to kang twice and you saw him in Loki if you watch that, if you have Disney Plus, and then you might have seen this. And what I think is going on here is that they're scared that the normies that go see movies won't understand what's going on. Now, let's go over the, the critic score is 48%. That is the second lowest rated Marvel movie next to The Eternals. The Eternals, I think, is 46%. So the critics did not like this movie. And then the audience, though, has it 84%. I am shocked and stunned at that. And I don't know how legit it is because it has not moved since I first looked at it when I watched this opening weekend. Because if you know anything about our show, uh, we tend to do reviews approximately a week after because everybody who does the advanced reviews and all that, I don't want to do that. We like to give everybody a chance to see the thing so we can have an open dialogue about it and see what we think, see what's going on. (laughs) 
Uh, Insult Investor thinks that Thanos snapped off a lot of these heroes' junks and crotches, and that's why they're all mad now. Well, what's Kang doing with their junk? I don't know. The one funny thing about this movie, that there, if you watch the uh, Ryan Long, who is absolute, the guy is really good at criticizing movies in a funny way because he does pitch meetings. His pitch meetings are great. The one thing I, I, I noticed in this movie, is people put their helmets on and off all the time. If, if Scott Lang doesn't take his helmet off more than 15 times in this movie as Ant-Man, I'd be stunned. Because everybody, every five seconds is like, snap my neck forward, snap my neck back. Helmet on, helmet off. Helmet on, helmet off. Helmet on, helmet off. I thought you had to have your helmet on to survive in the quantum verse, but apparently you don't. Hank made a big deal about when you shrink down, the molecules are different. You got to bring your own air supply and all this. So anything you remember from Ant-Man and Ant-Man 2 is absolutely gone, irrelevant, not interesting in this at all. You've got a complete departure from the other Ant-Man movies. This is a bigger scale, more epic for an Ant-Man movie, not for like a Marvel movie. And you've got this weird, weird thing where I described it as it's Star Wars. It's, it's not a Star Wars movie. Don't get me wrong. The tones are different, but they clearly, they clip a couple things like surface level stuff from Star Wars. But imagine watching Return of the Jedi without the Ewoks, but without the setup of Star Wars or the second Star Wars, like... So there's no Empire, there's no Star Wars, there's just Return of the Jedi. That's what you have with Quantumania. There's no setup. I don't know any, there's no world building. I don't know anything about this world. I don't know anything about the people. They breeze through everything so fast. There's a bunch of people just doing things for no reason. You don't really know why the people show up for no reason. And it's not a bad movie per se, but it's definitely not good. It's definitely one of the weaker movies that i've seen and the whole point of ant-man is like he's supposed to be cool because he like interacts with things that we're used to like normal size like he he shrinks down so that he can deal with things at a tiny level and us seeing like thomas the tank engine getting hurled at him is like a big deal because he's tiny and it's weighs like you know comparatively it's like five million tons being hurled at him versus like, that's what's intriguing about Ant-Man is, is like, I remember the scene in the tub and the water comes down and it's like a tidal wave coming at him. And even when he gets big, like, it's fun because he's like, it gets like, it gets a little lightheaded. And he gets real dumb and he can't react. All those rules that were established in the previous movies, all gone. None of it's relevant. The quantum realm works in its own way. Doesn't even matter. Nothing really matters. It's got one of those real dumb tropes. So basically, here's... I'll give you the basic plot and I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to spoil it, but I'll give you the reasons why I'm, I'm rooting not against this movie because the actors are all good, but there's something seriously wrong with Marvel because this is probably the best since, um, as phase four started because phase four is pretty terrible. I mean, Dr. Strange, I kind of like that movie, but this one might be a little bit better. It's hard to say. I haven't like really weighted against the other movies, but Phase Four, like Thor: Love and Thunder, is terrible, except for the Guardians of the Galaxy part, and um, Black Widow's terrible, and uh, Wakanda Forever is not good at all. So you've got all these different movies that just do not 
do not add up to anything. And now you're introducing your, your next big bad. But essentially, you know, uh, there's one real good framing component of this is that beginning and the end, and, and I'm not going to get too much into it, but the framing, they, they play that song like, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. So you've got Scott Lang is back from like Endgame and, and his life is going pretty good. His family's back together. He's got a good life. He's an author now, and you've got that whole premise, and then they get sucked into the quantum realm. There's not a lot to it. The biggest thing this movie is missing is Michael Pena. Michael Pena could have been the narrator and setting this movie up, and he could have been the 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 fish out of water that you needed in this weird world, because if they would have all been sucked into the quantum realm, and you know he'd be the guy who has no idea what's going on, but instead you have Cassie and Cassie acts like it's all just normal and fine and not a big deal. It would have been funny to have Michael Pena in there as Luis and being like narrating the whole thing or like giving his weird reactions as to what was going on. Like, oh my God, there's like goopy weird things with goopy flying things that are goopy, you know, because the guys was, he was one of the best parts of the, the original movies. Uh, yes, uh, Daniel is saying that, did I hear that the CGI in, w- in Wakanda Forever was prioritized in Quantumania? There was a leak about that. The C- I'm going to get to that because I'm going to specifically spoil one thing and there's one character that we all need to talk about that is just absolutely horrendous. Um, oh, wow, you're saying that there's a whole bunch of people who refuse to go see Black Panther 2? I could see that because... Um, well, there, there's a lot going on there. Just like Netflix is saying that the Woman King is number one right now on Netflix. I, I don't know that I believe that. Uh, that movie is like historically inaccurate and very, very strange. But yeah, I, I, there, there was a lot wrong with Wakanda Forever. Uh, I, th- that movie was just, that was a train wreck of a movie. And just, it, I don't know what you do with... Uh, Bozeman dying, I just don't know. But so you, you've got them down, they get sucked in the quantum realm, and then it becomes like uh, Janet doesn't, won't tell anybody what's wrong and what's going on down there. And we all know the Kang's down there. And then Viva la Revolution incurs, but in a more communist sense. Well, communist, socialist, whatever you want to call it. The, the, the ending MacGuffin of how things end is ridiculous. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't add up to anything. It might as well, like nothing could have happened and they still would have won. And my big thing, and I guess this is a tiny bit of a spoiler, but obviously like if Ant-Man, let's just put it this way. If Ant-Man can take on Kang, how scared of, am I of Kang? The reason why people were scared of Thanos was because Thanos made Hulk, not only did he pound Hulk in the rump, but he took Hulk and made a bitch out of him to the point where Hulk didn't even want to come out anymore of Bruce Banner because he was so scared. He was so frightened of what was going what, what like of the possibility of having to fight Thanos again and getting his uh, booty whooped that he did not even want to show up to the fight anymore. Kang, your weakest Avenger is taking him on. So I'm confused. They keep saying that the man is terrifying, yet I have yet to find a reason why he's terrifying. 
Loki has said that he's terrifying in the Loki show. And all I remember from that is that he ate some apples and was not that scary. So I don't really know what's going on here. I don't agree with it. So, like I said, the movie is... Uh, so they do this, the, the quantum realm thing. And it's just it just doesn't add up to anything. Bill Murray is in it. Bill Murray's a complete waste of time. There was no point to Bill Murray. No reason. Hawkeye is a cooler Avenger than Ant-Man. I would say yes. I agree with that. The real Hulk from the 1980s would have kept going until he was dead with no fear. Yes, absolutely. I 100% agree with that, that the, the real Hulk would have been like, I'd rather die than... Because he was a... We've never seen the real, real Hulk. Maybe we did... That, remember, well, we kind of did. Okay, remember in the Avengers when they were scared of the Hulk? Because he would, you weren't sure whether or not he was going to rip you limb from limb. Remember when the Black Widow tried to tried to subdue him, and she was petrified that she was going to die because he was going to. And Loki used the Hulk against them as a weapon. What happened to all of that? All of that is gone. Now he's a big bitch compared to the She Hulk. And then, like I, I think Hawkeye, I always say that Hawkeye has one of my favorite lines in all of the Avenger movies. And it's funny because it's from Age of Ultron, which is probably people's least favorite Avenger movie. And I, I'm not like the biggest fan of that movie because it just it had too much of it. But it has some real good parts to it that I really enjoy. And one of them is, um, I think he's uh, Hawkeye's talking to the Scarlet Witch and they're trapped in a building together in Sokovia. And he's like, sometimes you just have to do what you think is right. He's like, I'm using a bow and arrow against sentient robots what is going on here? But sometimes you just got to fight people because, you know, you just got to do what you think is right. And I, I, I always remember that. He was like kind of the heart and soul of the, uh, of the Avengers because he was the everyman. He didn't have any superpowers. He brought his everyman observations and that's a good thing to, uh, to see. Oh my gosh. Are you, are you saying Kevin Feige wants to split? See, what I suspect is going on and I've heard stories about this is that Kevin Feige is not part of the Hollywood elite. And he's like, think about this, like there's old money and there's new money, right? Kevin Feige's new money. He was a comic book guy, worked his way through Marvel, eventually got lucky and worked his way up and is, was always truly a comic book fan first. And I'll never forget, he told the story about his favorite panel in all of comic books that he wanted to recreate and the joy that he had when he was able to recreate it. If you remember in the first Spider-Man movie with uh, Tom Holland, there's a panel in one of the Spider-Man movies where Spider-Man is being crushed under a building and through sheer power of will, like he wants to give up because he's a kid and he's never been in a fight like this, but he's able to lift himself out of the rubble. And I think that Tom Holland did a really good job of capturing that frame of comics and Kevin Feige was saying how important that was to him. Well, Kevin Feige has moved up in the company to the point where he has actually stepped aside and he's not the guy who's on there day to day under uh, like overseeing operations. He has left that to a woman uh, who's who takes care of all of that business for him now. And he's like too, uh, too high up of a muckety muck to, to see what's going down on the, on the ground level. And I've heard people say that he was tricked by the old money 
to buying into all of this like female empowerment, wokeity woke nonsense that this was going to make you money and you better step in line with the message as the critical drinker would say it or else you're going to lose your audience, you're going to lose your fans, you're going to lose everything. And it's just allowed the quality to go down. As Daniel says, it's it's quality over quantity and they've just put out too much and not good enough. If you think about the, the Disney Plus shows, they're all not that good. There isn't one of them that I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, t- Daniel, you're right on the money. You say... Uh, too many Disney Plus shows, too many MCU films being filmed and released at the same time. Quality suffers. Look at the CGI, and we're, we're about to get to that part. Uh, Insult Investor, you only you refuse to watch any movie without Christopher Reeves. I would off. I would say to you, I know this is controversial. Uh, I do love Christopher Reeves. Don't get me wrong. I, I but dude, uh, what is it? Superman three or Superman four? The Quest for Peace is a pretty bad movie. You got to admit it. I would offer if you rewatch Man of Steel, it does have something to offer. And that Henry Cavill is a really good modern take on Superman. Now, you might not like everything. I get it. It's controversial. But I think Henry Cavill has a lot to bring and was never really given his full chance to shine as Superman. There's glimpses of it, but he never really gets his full opportunity. And that's a lot of what's wrong with with like we had 10 great years of, of Marvel movies and a handful of good DC movies, especially the ones, you know, Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy is going to go down as like the most iconic, greatest thing ever made. And we all know the third one is good, but not the greatest thing ever. Um, but just to what, like, let's, let's talk about CGI. Cause, cause you guys brought this up. Modoc, And I have to spoil this. I'm not going to tell you who Modoc is, but the CGI on Modoc is so bad, it literally made me yell at the. Th- I'm in the theater with a bunch of people. It's it's not quite a sold out theater, but it's pretty close to sold out. And um, the one thing I want to say about my theater experience is there was not a single laugh. Nobody laughed, not one time. None of the jokes landed, and nobody cheered, nobody clapped, nobody did anything. And this is opening weekend. I saw it the opening weekend with all your hardcore Marvel fans. And at the very end, there was a lot of muttering and private, con- like, like murmuring conversations. There was not any cheering. And you had me, and I'm, I'm the worst person to take to a theater because I'm just loud and obnoxious. And I, I shout at the screen and I say things. I was like, what am I even looking at? <laughs> I'm like, I'm that guy. Don't ever see a, lo- a movie with me. You don't want to. But Modoc was so absolutely bad. And it, it's just like, it, it, it's not even, the, the actor couldn't, like, you don't, I like that character, I like the actor who plays Modoc, but what am I even looking at? It was so bad, it took me out of the movie, and every time I saw it, I was just like, this is ridiculous. What am I even looking at? This is just just ridiculous. Yes, the murmuring was, why did we come here? Why did we waste our money? I do feel like I, I wasted a little bit of, of money. Uh, so, Intel, I just want to, I'll, I'll talk to you. Let's talk about Superman real briefly. Have you ever heard the explanation from Kill Bill about Superman being an alien pretending to be a human and what his perception of humanity is? I've always loved, that's one of my favorite monologues in all of film is the Kill Bill 
uh, monologue in Kill Bill 2 where Bill explains his pers- like what Superman is. And I think that Henry Cavill does a really, really good job of giving that portrayal. So maybe that's why I have a, a soft spot for it because I love that Quentin Tarantino monologue. I don't love all of Quentin Tarantino's monologues, but that is one of my favorite ones of all time. So maybe that's why I have a soft spot for it. Just saying, just want to point it out there. And uh, I also really like the one other thing I'll say about Superman is uh, that there, there, there's a scene where, where Superman as a kid has to deal with like the, the, the powers that he has and how it's overwhelming. And I have heard, and I may have said this before in the podcast, where uh, people who talk about autism and how to deal with autism show people that scene from the movie so that parents can understand what their children are feeling. And I think that capturing that essence is one, like maybe I have a soft spot for it. Maybe I'm foolish, but I think when you go back with those type of perspectives and look at man of steel, you go, wow, he was actually onto something here. And it's a different take. Like I, I, I think Christopher Reeves is like the, the highest like morality Superman. Like he, he played the Superman, like the way you would want to see the classic Superman. And then we have like a deconstruction of Superman, which is the Zack Snyder one. And I, I don't think I don't put him above Christopher Reeve, but I think it was a good deconstruction and something that I enjoyed. Yeah. (laughs) Warner brother has a history of, you are correct. Warner brothers does have a history of screwing over the actors. Brandon Routh, Henry Cavill. I think they even screwed over the original actors. Like the guy who was drunk, the original Superman. And uh, there is no, I don't know what James can, uh, what James Gunn is doing. Superman Legacy. The only thing that I heard about Superman Legacy that I thought was important, and I didn't really cover as a story, but I think it's interesting and important, is that James Gunn says that that movie was already in development before he got hired as CEO. He was hired to write it before that. So clearly, uh, Warner Brothers isn't giving James Gunn complete control. So we need to throw that out the window that he has some sort of complete control over this. It's still, there's still things that are, 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 um, that are up in the air that I think that the executives might mess with. But yeah, I just, it's very, it's a weird, disappointing time in, in movies. It's the same, like how I felt with the Batman. Like I saw the Batman and I was like, I should like this. And I didn't just like Ant-Man. I was like, I should like this, but I didn't. And the Batman was more about the messaging and the portrayal of like Batman towards the end of it. Like I liked how Gotham was a character, but like in Ant-Man, like I like the actors. The actors were all good, except for the girl who played Cassie. She sucks. She was terrible. She's, she's not anything. Uh, she's not a good actress. I mean, I hate to bag on an actor for not being good, but she's not good. She also is also too old for the role. They were trying to make her look younger, and she's not good. Uh, I don't even know what the actress's name. I will call her out and say that she's terrible. I don't normally do this because I'm not that mean, but in this particular case, I will tell you that Catherine Newton has giant eyebrows and is not very good of an actress. Especially when you compare her to like, she's trying to act with Paul Rudd, has no chemistry with anybody. Michelle Pfeiffer, Evangeline Lilly, who clearly pissed off the wrong people and is not allowed to act in this movie. 
Yeah, Catherine Newton, not good. If you're going to start the new Young Avengers and include her in it, good luck. Absolutely good luck. Apparently, Marvel has stopped paying the critics, is, is my opinion. They, they stopped paying the critics to, to show their stuff. And they're like, well, if you're not going to pay us for reviews, we're going to give you real bad reviews. Because, I mean, 48% is lower than I would have thought. But, I mean, MODOK is so bad, it's just laughable. And there's no character development. Nobody goes through an arc. No, There's nothing. Ca- I wish somebody would please tell me what is Kang interested in? And if you tell me if it's anything other than conquering, I'm confused because I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, I do believe they are setting up a Young Avengers. But they claim they're not. But they clearly are. So why are you doing that? And don't get me wrong. I'd be okay with you setting up the Young Avengers. Just do it the right way. Why does everybody have to be like, it's literally like five women and two men. And I don't like really care, but am I supposed to believe that any of these people have enough training to survive anything? You know, you're talking about, you know, professional military people versus a girl who took fencing classes. You know, when you talk about Hawkeye, she was took like Taekwondo and fencing and you have, you know, Haw- the original Hawkeye who has actually served in the military and has seen combat and watched people die, watched his friends die. <laughs> Kang just wants some tang. <laughs> Does he want some booty tang? <laughs> that could be the that could be the line of the night. I might give Daniel the line of the night. Kang just wants some tang. That's what Daniel says. What up, Infinity? They just want some of that Gen Z money. You cannot have my money. It is my money. You cannot have Gen Z money because it's all my money. Hot and upcoming <laughs> young actress's guide to the next 10 years of MC. <laughs> Haley Steinfeld, who's not that attractive. And Catherine Newton, also not that attractive. What is with hiring all these not that attractive white chicks? It's very strange. Freaky with Vince Vaughn, who, oh, I don't think I saw that, so I don't really have an opinion. But if she was like 10 years old, I don't think that counts. You know what I mean? Can you really count what a girl does when she's 10 years old? Is that really fair? Like as an actress. Because like, I don't know, Daniel Radcliffe is like, he did he did his thing and it was a little weird, you know, like, do you consider him a good actor? Like, I don't know. He was in Harry Potter. He was 10 years old or 12 or 14 in Harry Potter. Like, do you think he's a good adult actor? I don't know. He was mildly okay. in uh, the movie with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, like, I don't know. So it's like, I think it's hard to say. <laughs> and so, so you forget that you're old. Uh, yeah, all these woke scapades. I do like there. There's a, a former executive. Uh, he's like a TV or movie executive. I think he has his own show. The hell's that guy's name? Chappie or Chapo or something? And he calls him the woke waffin, <laughs> which is something kind of funny. He's like, the brown shirts are going to come and they're going to make you. Uh, they're going to cancel you and they're going to take you away and reeducate you. Just like they did with Don Lemon. Don Lemon had to be re-educated. I thought he was like the the king and he got re-educated. <laughs> and now you're telling people to get off your lawn. I mean, if you did that in, uh, what was it? 
what was this city where if you tell people to get off your lawn, they confiscate your guns and put you in jail. So be careful, my friend. Be careful. Anyway, that was a really lively, fantastic discussion. I really appreciate you guys. You really helped me get through this one, especially without a plank of wood sitting next to me that I normally talk to about these things. I don't think he's even seen Ant-Man, so maybe he'll want to talk about it more. I tried not to spoil it. I did another non-spoiler because I don't think the spoilers really matter. Right. Ultimately, there's no stakes to this movie. Nothing happens. It's clearly hindered by a bunch of reshoots. They added a bunch of stuff to make it funnier, which they it didn't make it funnier. From what I understand, it was a darker movie, and uh, they came back and made it much more lighthearted. So, pff, what are you gonna do there? Yes, Noob Noob is a plank of wood. There are if you watch one of the la- I, I forget which video we did. He's literally just asleep. <laughs> He drinks too much and he just passes out and then he becomes useless, which I'm sure is what his girlfriend says. So um, thank you guys. Daniel, Insult Investor, really great conversation. Thank you for letting me talk about the diving stuff. And I had a really great conversation about Superman and all that other stuff. You guys are the best. Really appreciate it. Good to see uh, all the people who are out there in the chat. I do love to see Infinity. I know your besties with Noob Noob, so there's that. We do have an Infinity video coming up. We'll be reacting to that. And you'll get to see, there's probably a video coming up where Noob Noob's got money, so now you can complain to him when your giveaways aren't good enough. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate it. Uh, You guys take care of yourselves. I love all y'all. We did it. We brought it home. It's always a good time hanging out with everybody. Thanks so much. Like, subscribe, share. We're growing the channel. It's getting bigger. I'm going to have to do a bag video pretty soon to help us get to 1,000 subs. We're getting there. We're almost going to get to the point where we can make a little money on this thing. Oh, I appreciate it. We love y'all. But I am on to the next one.